The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to the masculine journey. We are very glad to have you with us today. It's a uh, it's an exciting day. We got a room full. I, I don't know that if you guys could just see this room, you would shut off your computer. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. We definitely were made for radio. Uh, only speaking for myself and the people in the room. Uh, you mean they'd shut off their radio, Sam? You lost me there for a minute. Well, Maybe they're listening on their computer. Well, no, I saw the other day where um, the Christian Car guy was going to be live, live broadcast over Facebook, right? There you go. Right, so a computer, your oh, I get it. Yeah, so if they could see it, yeah, yes, a streamer thing. Yeah, it's a streaming thing. <laughs> Sorry for lost. Your you. fault. You didn't get it. it is my fault. Yeah, it I, was, I really. T- you know. It was perfectly clear in my head. You just need well, to join me. Sometime. Move forward, okay? We'll just keep moving forward. <laughs> so, <laughs> keeping moving forward, we're going to continue to talk about uh, what do we call in this series? The the devil's toolbox. Yeah, we keep saying Satan's toolbox, uh, the devil's same toolbox. Same kind of guy. It's the same guy, really. But we've been calling this series the, the Devil's Toolbox, and like a lot of them, we didn't intend to make a series. We didn't know he had this many tools. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't, and we just kept uncovering them. And honestly, it's as we live our life. You know, we start to, God reveals some things to us, and we say, okay, well, let's let's share that. And that's really where a lot of it comes from. And in this last three episodes, or last three uh, shows that we've done, was the first one was Blaming God. Right, and then what was the second one, Robbie? Blaming ourselves. That's right. It was blaming ourselves. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute. You're right. And then, and then, Andy, what is this week's topic? Blaming others. Blaming others, and sometimes we're we're much better at two of those than we are the third. And it just kind of depends on which way you land on which of the two you're better at. So we talked a little bit about that, but we want to set this up with a clip. And, and Harold, this was your clip. This was the one that you picked for this topic, so why don't you set it up for us? Well, if you ever have a need to make excuses and blame other people, you can go to the Blues Brothers and look at Jake in the tunnel, and you can learn how to make excuses and blame others from a pro. Now, is this a girlfriend that, that he's talking to? It's the one he left at the altar. Oh, there we go. So let's listen to what Jake does. Oh, please don't kill us. Please, please don't kill us. You know I love you, baby. I wouldn't leave you. It wasn't my fault. You miserable slug. You think you can talk your way out of this? You betrayed me. No, I didn't. Honest. I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault, I swear to God. <laughs> Did you say locust? Locust, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was on a roll. A biblical proportions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, well, that wasn't really blaming, uh, blaming others, but it was blaming anyone but me, right? Well, she was blaming him, and he was trying to you know, point out that it wasn't his fault. And if you've been blamed, you you know you've been on the other end of that. It's it's painful. Now was that Carrie Fisher? Yes, it, it was. Like yeah, this, 
Shortly after this, you hear, should have heard a lot of gunfire, and you don't mess with Princess Leia. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the next scene, <laughs> he gives her that look with his eyes that only you know, Jake could do, and she goes, oh, and she kisses him, and he drops her on the ground <laughs> and says, let's go, you know, because they're on a mission from God. Yeah, I have to go back and watch <laughs> Apparently, I do, too. <laughs> So, so blaming, uh, blaming others, it, it seems somewhat natural, right? Because people do hurt us. People do wrong us in some ways, right? You have broken people, wounded people that are wounding other people, and that's the story of life. I, I think it's the second oldest trick in the book. Because if you think back to Adam and Eve, you know, that was the original trick. Yeah, Harold, you <laughs> were there. But the second one was, <laughs> you might remember Adam was like, this woman that you... <laughs> <laughs> that you gave me. <laughs> that you gave me. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was the blame right there. And I do wonder, you know, if, when we get to see the instant replay, I hope we do, you know, with Satan working on Adam that whole time, you know you wouldn't be in this position with this fig leaf buddy <laughs> if you hadn't listened to that woman. Well, and I think the thing that makes it hard is there, there, like everything with the enemy, there's truth in what he says. Right, because if it was total lies, it was total, it was ludicrous. You would just wouldn't buy into it, and you know, to some level, even in that story, you know, she did get tempted first. Now, Adam still made his own choice, and he chose to take a bite out of the apple. But there's some even little thread of truth in it, which makes it plausible. You know, and so when you're dealing with other people hurting you, yeah, that happens. But it's what you do with that, and and how far do you go? I'm going to go to a, another clip from an animated movie uh, called Meet the Robinsons. And in this clip, you have a older version of a younger guy. Well, it's an older version and a younger version of the same person. And the older version is warning the younger one to hold on to his hate, to hold on to his anger, to hold on to his blaming of others. I want you to listen to that, and we'll come back and talk about it. Everyone will tell you to let it go and move on, but don't. Instead, let it fester and boil inside of you. Take these feelings and lock them away. Let them fuel your actions. Let hate be your ally, and you will be capable of wonderfully horrid things. Heed my words, Goob. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Now, Andy, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, you know, I'm just not going to let this go. I'm just so angry, and I have a right to be mad. Never, never. I have no idea what you're talking about. Then why are you on the show this week? <laughs> Do you see the halo around my cotton-headed? Yes, Goob. <laughs> yes, Goob. <laughs> Nitty muffin head. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, I was horrible for it uh, for many years of just wanting to, uh, I wanted to be right, and I wanted to blame others whenever, you know, whenever they did something that offended me. But, you know, I, you know, as we go back and look at it over time, um, we're most like are the enemy that we try to get away from and not be like. But he is called the accuser of the brethren, and that's what we become as accuser of the people that are closest to us. And, and we don't want to let it go because we want to hold them accountable for whatever they did to wrong us. Yeah, and there's this fine line of, you know, holding accountable and then refusing to let go right jim you, you had something you wanted to say uh, well i was 
thinking, and I guess it was visible. One of the biggest issues I see in counseling is exactly this. It's, I'm right. He or she did wrong. You know, if we can fix the other person, everything will be fine. And that, uh, you can have all the counseling in the world, and if you could just pick up on this one thing, work on yourself. Because... Well, yeah, I was thinking you can't, about this. You can't fix somebody else. It ain't going to happen. So forgive them and work on you. It, it, you know, I thought about Jesus' speck in the eye. And you kind of make a spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you really do. You make a spectacle of yourself when, you, you know, when you're focusing on that speck in your brother's eye. Because, you know, chances are it's log time. Yeah, it is. A, it's very hard not to cross that line. You know, you hear in the last clip that we had this this person say, "No, hold on to that anger. Let it fuel you. Let it let it feed you." And again, there's some truth to that. There are things that are a byproduct of that anger that aren't always necessarily bad, but they don't lead to healthy places. They don't lead to healing. One of the things that. Uh I've been very bad at over the years. I'm getting a little bit better at it now. But it wasn't my fault that I arrived late. It wasn't the fact that I left home with no time, slack time in the schedule. It was the fault of those stinking red lights and that little old lady driving 15 miles an hour below the speed limit. That's why I was late. It wasn't me. I don't deserve to be criticized for being late. Oh, good point. Our school bus. <laughs> behind the school bus, it's making a stop every, every The desire seconds. to be perfect is a hard thing to live up to, and so you find ways to make yourself perfect when you aren't. Yeah, this topic uh, hit home for me uh, with work this week. I had a day that uh, I was just grumpy. I was crabby all day, which is not normally me. I know you guys can't believe that, <laughs> but uh, it's not normally how I am all day. I mean, I have periods in the day that I can be like that, but just all day long. And then I realized what was happening was I was blaming everybody else for how I was feeling. You know, there was a lot of truth in what was going on and some people were frustrating me. And, and, and honestly, I could be frustrated at that, but it was, I was allowing it to affect my attitude. I was allowing it to affect my demeanor, right? And I was giving those situations power over me when I continued to blame others. And as soon as I just decided at one point to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. You know, those are things I got to contend with, right? And some of those people I don't really want to deal with so much, but I have to, but I can't let it control who I am and how I behave around others. And I was letting it happen, you know, and that's where God was saying, okay, I've got a big lesson for you in the midst of this is, you know, you still let this happen to yourself, even though you can see it on a big level, you're not seeing it at these little chunks where you let this one person rob some of your joy, and this person robs some of your joy, instead of getting replenished with your joy from me. I've been reading this book by Dallas Willard called Life Without Lack. And, and it's an interesting thing how you go places just based on it, the further you get from Christ. But he, he's talking about memorizing the 23rd Psalm so that you can keep going there because as you realize that the sheep wouldn't have needed to lay down if they were hungry, they would be standing or they wouldn't be going by the still waters. If they were thirsty, 
that when you're in and around Jesus's presence, as you begin to just really meditate on the 23rd Psalm, it, I'm, I'm shocked at, at my week this week because I've just been having a blast meditating on the 23rd Psalm and saying, oh yeah, I'm not hungry. Oh yeah, I'm not, you know, that he, if, if I can be in his presence, then all of a sudden, you know, that log in, in Andy's eye is just, it's not as big a spectacle, you know. It's just <laughs> I'm hungry and it's my wife's fault because she's on a diet now. So Move th- through it. You know, move forward and, wouldn't you? Keep, keep moving forward. Okay. Yeah. And we'll keep moving forward into the break. But uh, as we're getting ready to head into the break, I want to encourage you to go register for an upcoming boot camp. We have a couple of them to actually choose from. We have the one in the fall, which is our entry boot camp, which is November 1st First through 4th. 4th. Yeah. And then what else do we have, Robbie? Advanced boot camp coming up August 17th, right? So the yeah. 19th. 17th through 19th. You just have to have been to two boot camps to come to it. So go to masculinejourneyradio.org now. Hi, this is Sam with Masculine Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to masculinejourneyradio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to PO Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. It's a Masculine Journey Boot Camp BOGO. Buy one, give one free. $199. What an amazing thing that would be to give somebody a gift, and what they really end up getting is their heart back. Listen to what it did for Andy. The Masculine Journey Boot Camp experience showed me I could truly hear from God, and that I could experience Him on a daily basis. Coming this fall, November 1st through the 4th, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org and register today. Welcome back to The Masculine Journey. We are talking about blaming others. And, Robbie, what group was that? Do you know? <laughs> Two doors down? <laughs> Andy, you picked three, man. Three, three doors down. Three doors down. Yeah. 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 Robbie kept asking what three doors down yeah. was. Yeah, told it, it, that, well, he told me the song was three doors down. I said, what does it have to do with doors? <laughs> yeah, but, Andy, you, you chose that that uh, bumper did, back yeah, in. So talk a little bit about it. Well, I, I couldn't really find anything that really sounded good for blaming others you could uh, there's tons of songs out there on blame and a lot of them is blaming on me or blaming on the rain or blaming on all kinds of stuff but that particular one i just found those lyrics looking for and i always like three doors down and it just it just was perfect for the uh for the topic so did they come out of the group the doors and they not just, at no, no, they, they, they left three doors down yeah. from them. That's what it was. This is about thirty or forty years later. Yeah. Go, go back to the sixties, man. Yeah, yeah there's several people that were lost on that clip. Although I knew who the band was. So. Anyway, that's newbies, right? Yeah, the, the newbies. But it uh, no, that was a good clip. Thank you. I want to kind of go back to uh, where we left off with our last clip for a moment, and go back to meet the Robinsons. And what happens here is you have Goob, who is the young kid who is being talked to, to Mike Gubenstein, I think his name is, the older one. And, and in it, you know, he's telling him to keep blaming 
his roommate for what happened to him in his life that he couldn't he never got adopted they were in an orphanage together and he missed catching the the game-winning ball you know and that's why his life got derailed and and where we pick up is in a conversation with the older goob and the younger cornelius they call him lewis and he's explaining to him about why his life is all lewis's fault it wasn't my fault it was yours if you hadn't kept me up all night working on your stupid project and I wouldn't have missed the catch. So, I devised a brilliant plan to get my revenge. Oob. Look, I'm sorry your life turned out so bad, but don't blame me. You messed it up yourself. You just focused on the bad stuff when all you had to do was let go of the past and keep moving forward. Hmm, let's see. Take responsibility for my own life or blame you. Ding, 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 ding. Blame you wins hands down. <laughs> That's so true. It's almost not funny. <laughs> That's what makes it so funny, though, because we all kind of get there at some point. Jim, you talked about uh, you know having done counseling with people over the years, but isn't that, that, that the point where they just kind of stay, as you talked about a few minutes ago? Well, I loved what he was doing in that is that he was hearing his own voice saying these things that he needed to hear, and the blaming others is the, a game we all play. But when you can get that light bulb on to say, oh, well, you know, I had this decision. And another key point in that that is absolutely true and serious is holding on to the past. Mm-hmm. If you can't let go of what someone's done in the past to hurt you, you know, they may or may not be in your life, but the only one that hurts is you. Yeah, when, when you keep holding on to whatever that anchor is that the enemy gets you to hold on to, whether that's blaming God, whether that's inappropriately blaming yourself or blaming others, it doesn't allow you to move forward, to step into a place of healing and to step into life that God's calling you to. And and so it makes it very hard to say, okay, but how can I let that go? Because it is hard to let go of some of that stuff. You know, I mean, I know each of you, a little bit of your story and We've all had opportunities in our life to, to stay at that place of blaming others, haven't we, Robbie? Yeah, and that's why the Isaiah 61, you know, he came to set the captives free. But it's really cool, like Jim said, to find that place where you can turn the light on and go, oh, that's where I've made an agreement that that was someone's fault other than and, and not moving past. In other words, find the agreement there in your own timeline and acknowledge I'm stuck here and ask Jesus because Usually, if it's an anchor like that, that old Goob's dealing with there, I mean, that's going to take some serious Jesus to come in and work through that because it's going to take some self-forgiveness inside of something you've held on to that long. Especially having a nickname like Goob. (laughs) That's just kind of brutal in its own self. (laughs) Well, from a a non-animated movie, Andy, I wanted you to go ahead and kind of set up this next clip. and, And I'll go ahead and say it. You know, I'll be one of those people that you don't like. I didn't like this movie. And I yeah. know, Robbie, you said you didn't like it either. I, I didn't. And, uh, but a lot of people do like it. It is a classic movie, and so Andy, why don't you go ahead and say it? Yeah, it's the over the top on some of its, uh, you know, I don't know, scenes or whatever. But it's um, it's really, yeah, it's Forrest Gump. I mean, everybody loves Forrest Gump except these guys. I don't know. I've never heard anybody that didn't like Forrest Gump. But <laughs> just, no, just I don't want <laughs> But re- it does have some really uh, teachable moments in it, and I think this one is classic, and it really has to do with 
um, Forrest and, and really Lieutenant Dan and how he has blamed Forrest and just kind of how it turns out. And what I like about it is there's a spin on this too of, you know, in the, in the scene, you won't see the full um, deliverance or, or um, redemption. victory, re- redemption, victory, or whatever. You see that later on in the film, but you see the beginning of it. And I love uh, Forrest's response to the whole uh the now, whole response. Now, if someone hadn't seen the movie, what had happened was Forrest saved him on the battlefield, right? right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I didn't fully set it up. Yeah, absolutely. Forrest had, had, had saved Lieutenant Dan on the battlefield, and they were together uh, in a barracks or whatever, and, and Lieutenant Dan lost his legs, and he couldn't walk, and he's blaming Forrest for that. Listen to me. We all have a destiny. Nothing just happens. It's all part of a plan. I should have died out there with my men. But now, I'm nothing but a cripple, a legless freak. Look, look, look at me. See that? Do you know what it's like not to be able to use your legs? Yes, sir, I do. Did you hear what I said? You cheated me! I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny, and you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. I was... Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) Look at me. What am I going to do now? So what I thought was cool about that was uh, Lieutenant Dan had lost who he was. He, He lost his identity. And Forrest pointed it out, but it all came back. We're talking about blame here, and he was Forrest was getting a lot of blame, but it was Forrest that saw beyond that and could have started blaming Lieutenant Dan or whatever, but he turned around and did a positive thing for Lieutenant Dan, saw the glory in him, and they ended up being partners on the boat and all, but what's funny, too, about it is Forrest, you know, when he says, uh, he says, uh, Lieutenant Dan says, do you know what it's like not to have the use of your legs? Well, if you haven't seen Forrest Gump, as a child, he really suffered with uh, leg disabilities and eventually ran quite a bit or whatever. But he had polio, uh, I think. Yeah, polio. So anyway, the whole thing was is, is Lieutenant Dan really put a lot of blame on Forrest, but um, Forrest didn't receive it. He, um, you know, and, and he turned around and did something good and helped Lieutenant Dan get out of that blame game. I actually did, and, and even though I didn't care for the movie that much, <laughs> I, I did like the part of that <laughs> clip where – you know, he reminds him that in my eyes, you it didn't right. change anything, right? Yeah, in your eyes, you felt like you should have died on the battlefield, mm-hmm. like your dad and your grandfather and the people before you, you know, and you had this destiny, but maybe right. your destiny was something different, right? You know, and he did give him some hope in that. Now, guys, I want to want you to kind of, if you will, just kind of share from your life, if you will, just some of the opportunities that you've had or times that you've gotten stuck blaming other people, you know. I'll, jump in there first is 
you know, having gone through a divorce, you know, it makes it very easy to put a lot of blame on that other person. And, you know, in, in talking with people that's gone through divorce, you can kind of almost tell where they are in the healing process by how much they still blame the other person versus how much they kind of just say, this is what happened and, and take some of their ownership. And, you know, I lived in that place of blame for a long time, you know, and it just wasn't a healthy place. You know, and I couldn't, as I said, step into some healing until God pulled me out of that place and said, okay, yeah, let's recognize the things that she did wrong, but there's obviously things that you did wrong too. And let's go work on those things. And then that's where the healing for me started to occur. Anyone else? Bueller? Bueller? (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me like, well, yeah, I, you know, we had the, the theft at the dealership with Frankie and she took, you know, millions of dollars that were, I thought there, and it radically changed my wife's life, you know, all our lives, you know, my kids, you know, we lost everything. And, um, the healing process through that was absolutely remarkable from my standpoint that God kept showing up in prayer for me, showing me that those things that you'd attached yourself to really, I was disrupting your life here. This is, you know, this is something I'm, I'm working on and, and it's going to end up being good for all of you. And it, and it really, really has in so many different ways. I can't even imagine my life if I was still um, in the middle of what that was compared to where God brought me. But at the time it was pretty easy to go, Oh yeah, here we go. Here, here it is. But it, you, you can't, you can't live there. Yeah, I'm. My story is similar to Sam. Broken relationship, and I did stay there for for years. Um, it's been like seven years now. In the first probably three and a half, four, there was a lot of bitterness, a lot of blame. I I did. I immediately started working on myself and trying to improve, and realized I'd played a part in it, but it was still theirs, their issue, and and all. And and to, similar to both um, Sam and Robbie, I've just uh, continued to press into God, and, he, and I've realized that he was in all this. Not He didn't cause it in any way, but he was there to take that disruption and draw me closer to him, and I, I praise him for it. Yeah, I think that's the, the key, Andy, is the what do you do? What do you do when somebody's hurt you? Yeah, there's this tendency to blame, and there's some of that of holding accountability is appropriate, but what do you do with your own heart? Do you leave it there? Do you hold on to it? Or do you give it to God and say, God, what can you do with this? What can I learn from it? How can you help me grow? And I will say, no matter what I've been through, when I turn it over to God, I'm a lot healthier person coming out of the backside. And I'm grateful for that. Go to masculinejourneyradio.org to register for the boot camp coming up in November. Or if you've been to two other boot camps already, go for the August one. 